I love helpful apps. And Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them to you. How fabulous. For the first time in history of the internet, the web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. And there are podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. My show, Food is Culture, a podcast is there too. Download and use Newsly for free. Go to www.newsly.me for more information. And using promo code f 0 D2021, as in food 2021, receive a one month free premium subscription to newsly.me. Link and code in the show notes, of course. Newsly, stop scrolling, start listening. Hi, I'm Billy Buttery. Welcome to Food is Culture, a podcast. Sorry I've been MIA. It's been a busy couple weeks with some family things going on, and I had to take a few things off my plate in the short term. Unfortunately, one of them was releasing podcast episodes. However, I have been recording and interviewing some awesome guests, and I'm excited for the upcoming weeks to release the backlog of episodes I've recorded. I think I'll be switching to a bi-weekly release date for the next few weeks while I catch up on life and work and family. But not to worry, there's a lot of great stuff in these episodes to chew on. Today's episode has a cornucopia of information. <laughs> Brandon Kamara-Sami is a public speaking coach and gives some awesome tips for improving your public speaking and party banter. He has some great YouTube videos and is a fantastic resource for you if public speaking is something that you would like to work on. His information is in the show notes, of course. A little note. At the end of the episode, I made reference to 100 World Dalmatians coming out in the 90s, but I was thinking of the live action, which came out in 1996, which I did see in theaters. The original 101 Dalmatians cartoon came out in 1961, but the movie Brendan was thinking of was Lady and the Tramp, which came out in 1955. I did not see that in theaters, but did own it on VHS, which is a very elder millennial thing to say. Side note, have you watched Handmaid's Tale? I'm getting caught up in the last season, and speaking of 101 Dalmatians, oh my god, that scene, you know the one. Tears, I bawled, and when Moira opens the plane door, I can't even. Anyways, (laughs) I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Cheers! Hi, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, Bill. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I think that what you're doing is so important right now, especially because I think speaking has really um, taken over the pandemic. You know, in meetings, there's so much body language and this and that, but over Zoom and when you're meeting virtually, it's really about how you're speaking and how you're talking. So I think that's, that's so great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, so let's start with how do you define your back your cultural background? Yeah, for sure. So I was born and raised in Montreal in Canada, and my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka, I would say in the early 1990s. And and I was I was born a few years after that. That's awesome. And growing up, did you speak French? I did actually. It's a funny story there. Uh, I actually didn't know how to speak French, and my parents sent me to French school so I can learn the language. So my whole life. I was presenting in a language I didn't know, and I couldn't understand any of the other kids at my school. So it was quite the fun experience. <laughs> so you speak three languages? That's correct. English, French, and Tamil. That's amazing. And you feel most comfortable in? English, for sure. But I can definitely get around with French as well. Tamil's a lot harder, though. Mm-hmm. And do you just speak Tamil with your parents? Yeah, you got it. Or like family members, what I'm at, family gatherings mm-hmm. every every few times a year. What language do you think in? Mm, a lot of people ask me that for some reason. I think, uh, I, I, think in, I think in English. In English? I love yeah. that. What was your first memory of food? 
my first memory of food? That's a good question. Let me think on that. I would say whenever I think about food and memories, the first thought that comes to mind immediately is, is definitely family. You know, I find what's what's interesting, especially in in cultures that aren't so westernized, is food is a big part of communion, right? Of community. So, so in my case, whenever I'm thinking about food and memories, my mom's cooking comes to mind. Uh, the way that we gather around a, a basement, not necessarily a table, or where it gets a bit more crazy, where I would uh, eat a lot with my hands. That's very unique as well in our culture, even if it's rice. Mm-hmm. So those are the thoughts that come to mind. I love that. I think, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the basement. I grew up around lots of different cultures and ethnicities, and um, it's such, I think, a white thing, I guess, or like a North <laughs> American thing to have like a proper See, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone sits at the dining table, and it's very proper, and there's the kids' table and the adults' table, and, you know, every all, the only real socializing happens at the table or possibly the kitchen table, but even at parties, everyone, you know, everyone get out of the kitchen. But in other cultures, it's like everyone's hanging on the basement or hanging out um, in the backyard, and the barbecue's going or the fire pit's going, and there's just so much more of like a vibe, and... Um, and I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely with you on that. I grew up with a Filipino nanny and my favorite memories are definitely like big Filipino parties and, you know, everyone's throughout the house and in the basement, the music's blaring and the kids are dancing and the adults are dancing and everyone's talking and everyone's congregating in these huge, um, you know, tins of food. And I, I love that. <laughs> oh, I do too. Uh, what is your favorite dish from your childhood? Ooh, that's another toughie. Oof. I would say... My favorite dish is probably Sri Lankan rolls. So Sri Lankan rolls are essentially these. It's like a pastry with pork, potatoes, spices, and it's kind of like, um, and then it's fried. So that's Mm. what the, so yeah, it's very good. I had some a couple of days ago, actually. It's really good. I don't know how you can go wrong with pork and potato and fried. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. Um, growing up, was there a strong sense of, um, keeping your heritage alive and your parents, you know, really pushing Sri Sri Lankan food? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, what's fascinating with, with first and second generation immigrants. So my my parents immigrated to Canada in the late night, early nineties, but I was born in Canada. So you have this, this clash of values, where the parents are always saying, hey, we need to follow this, this, this by this rule book. Whereas when you live in a country like Canada or the US or really any westernized country, it's a lot more open to new ideas and perspectives in a way that, you know, I guess the the traditional way of thinking about it isn't so much. So I would say for me, the biggest takeaway from, from growing up is figuring out the best in both worlds. Like what's great about the culture I, I my parents grew up in versus the one that that I grew up in and finding the in-between between both. Mm-hmm. I just imagine um, in Montreal, like a kiss school, kids sneaking out to get poutine at lunch. Was that something that you did? <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's funny. I was, I was a good boy, but I, to be honest, I didn't really have money for poutine. That's how poor we were growing up. But uh, if, if I did have a couple extra, I think I did that once in high school. My mom gave me 10 bucks to buy poutine. I went crazy. <laughs> I love that. Um, did you grow up in downtown Montreal or so the suburbs? Yeah, I grew up in a suburb near Montreal. It's called Laval. Probably people don't know it, but it's around mm-hmm. a 20-minute drive from Montreal. So it's not too far off. And did you have lots of family around you? 
I would say relative. So, so this is what, what I guess what Asian culture. So my mom had eight siblings, seven or eight siblings. I forgot the number of how many there were. <laughs> so I guess, I guess to your question, relative to the total amount of cousins that I have, it's probably in the millions at this point. <laughs> I'm so, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would say relative to, to, I guess that big number, I was a very small percentage of them live in Montreal, but even by that standard, we're talking like a hundred people live in Montreal, which is a lot by, by most people, yeah. but I would say most of the cousins are, are a bit around the place. Toronto is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go to Toronto quite a bit, uh, I guess, minus COVID to go see family and friends. And then London is another big one as well. That's awesome. And when you're all together and celebrating, what would you say is a big celebration food? Ooh, let me think. About, these are some hard questions. Because <laughs> it's interesting you ask these questions, Billy, because in our culture, and I'm sure this is true with a lot of cultures as well, w- whenever we're celebrating, it's usually a bunch of dishes. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking through what is um, one in particular. I would say biryani is probably a popular one mm-hmm. where you have chicken biryani all the time. But at the same time, if I'm being honest, there's also a lot of pizza there. There's also mm-hmm. a lot of American food. It's kind of a mix of everything. Mm-hmm, that sounds delicious. A world world buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, world, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say is sort of like a staple dish from your culture? So if someone was like, oh, I want to try a Sri Lankan dish, like what would you recommend? Rolls is definitely easy, the easiest one to start with. It's a bit spicy, though. I will caution the audience before you endeavor into Sri Lankan food. It, mm-hmm. And it's not very expensive either, especially if you live in Toronto or Montreal or in Canada. I, a roll is like a dollar, so yeah. it's not uh, it's not uh, super expensive. You don't have to go to a restaurant or anything fancy. That's one. The other thing I'd recommend as well is kotroti. So this is basically so. The, I guess the English pronunciation is kotu roti. So that's K O T T U space R O T I. And what that is essentially is a bunch of think of it like non bread, all cut up. And then mixed around with curry and eggs and vegetables and all that good stuff. But yeah, extremely spicy, but also extremely delicious. Mm, sounds so good. Oh, yeah. Real good. Uh, <laughs> well, and I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. So how did you sort of get into public speaking and starting your YouTube series? Yeah, for sure. So when I was in university, Billy, I studied in Montreal my whole life. I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So all the guys my age were playing uh, rugby or baseball or basketball, other dangerous sports that Brendan wouldn't dare to play. I did presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to communicate ideas. That's what ended up leading to to the YouTube channel because I realized a lot of the ideas that I was teaching wasn't really available uh, for free. So that's what led to Master Talk and what I do today. That's awesome. And don't feel like a nerd. I mean, I participated in the um, Ontario marketing competition against, I think it was like 13 or 14 other colleges. And I presented in two. Oh, that's awesome. And it was, it was like a high intense day. Like, you know, you go into your little room and you have half an hour to prepare your pitch and then you're pitching in front of, you know, four people. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I feel like that's more intense than a sports day. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, So I think that food obviously goes so well with talking because I think food gathers us. And when we're gathered, we speak and we communicate and we 
bond over words and food. Um, so when you, we first sort of started talking, I immediately thought of weddings because I think that at weddings, it's always expected for at least a couple of people to go up and speak. Um, and there's always the dreaded father-in-law speech that goes on for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be like a top tip for people that are writing speeches because there's such a backlog of weddings right now. So people are starting to plan their weddings and thinking about who can speak. So if you're writing a speech for somebody's wedding, what would be a top tip for them? You, you know, it's fun that you mentioned that, Billy, because I'm glad you asked the question since communication is so much more than just presenting in a boardroom or presenting some speech you're giving. It's every single area of your life, the way you talk to your family, the way you commute, the way you organize around food, the way you go to weddings. So definitely an important skill to master. And I would say in the context of weddings, here's what I would say. Number one, write out the speech ahead of time and practice it. And I think what a lot of people do at the weddings is they get there, they're giving the speech like, oh, I lost my train of thought. They kind of crumbled and they run away. Whereas I think the, the easy way of thinking about it is don't worry about what you're saying. Focus on the moment. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're the father-in-law, if you're the daughter-in-law, focus really on what makes the couple so special and why you personally love them so much. And I think if you just focus on that idea, it's not only going to be really easy for you to write out the script that you don't have to memorize, by the way. The trick is to write it out, but then create bullet points for yourself and just practice it on other people. And then I, others can see how valuable it is and you'll be a lot more confident. But the key is really not to make it this paragraphs of information, but rather saying, what is the moment where you felt that you really loved the two people up on stage? And what was the other day you, you really felt that they were in love and that they should be getting married? Like, these are the simple mm -hmm. questions. And if you just speak from the heart, I think it'll be a lot easier for you to organize your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I think that's so fantastic because it's really focusing on the emotion as opposed to the words. Absolutely. And, and I think another thing that helps as well is really focus on them, not the other people listening. Like mm -hmm. I had to give a wedding speech two years ago and it lasted, it wasn't that long, actually. That's another, I guess, benefit of wedding speech that they could be as long or as little as you want them to be. It's not like the marriage police is there saying, <laughs> oh, is uh, is Billy on time? Is she punctual? Is she getting her words in order? So it's never anything like that. Right? So, so what I would say is really speak to the couple directly. And I feel if you do it in that way, as if nobody else was watching, everyone will feel the emotion. Everyone will feel how you how you express yourself to them in regular conversations and you'll have a knockout wedding speech. Whereas if you feel you're, you're addressing everybody who's there, the 200 people, you're kind of like, Oh, well, I want to make sure that all 200 of these people enjoy the speech when that's not really the point, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. to make the, the, the two people up on stage feel special on their special day. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I want to go back to something that you said. So I love conversation, but I have such a big problem talking to myself. So in the podcast, usually the pre-roll is sort of me talking, but I write out every single word and I read it a couple times and then I read it like a script um, because I get so nervous. So I've tried to make bullet points. I've tried to kind of just like off the cuff freestyle it. And I guess because it's myself in a room talking to myself, I stumble and it's it's painful to listen <laughs> to. So, 
Do you think that writing out every single word or does it just take practice? Try and stick to the bullet points and just practice, practice until it becomes more effortless. Yeah, I'd say for me, Billy, it's really doing what you're comfortable with. Like in your case, what you're doing works perfectly because it's not like people are looking at you read. People don't notice it. So it's mm-hmm. totally fine. But I would say in the context of what you do, one thing that I teach clients that you can easily implement right now is just adding technique in your speech so it doesn't feel like you're reading. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we take the name of your podcast, Food is Culture, a podcast on et cetera, et cetera. You would have a pause. So for example, let's say I did let's say I was you for a second. I would say, welcome to food is culture, a podcast on culture and food, blah, 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 blah. So notice how I paused intentionally mm-hmm. at specific parts, but you can add that directly into your speech. So you know when to pause, you know when to smile, you know when to be more, uh, you know what emotion you want to convey. So it's a lot easier. And the other piece I'll add as well is in the context of how you organize a speech. So over time, what happens is as you get better with reading and scripting, you'll eventually realize that you can just talk off the cusp and you won't see that much penalties in the way you communicate. That's awesome. Those are great tips. I'm going to get that recording on its own so I can like play it in my head to remind me. (laughs) That's so good. Thank you. I, I, um, yeah, it's definitely something hearing myself back before I edit the podcast sometimes is so painful. So I think that remembering to take a pause and think about what I'm going to say before I say it is is something I need to work on. I don't know if it's like my my squirrel brain, but I just start talking, talking like right like I'm doing right now and I talk, talk, talk. And then I listen back and there's so many ums and likes and I, it's because I haven't taken the time to formulate what I'm going to say. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. And now that people are, you know, getting back into the swing of socializing and parties, I, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> I think if a story is funny and there's a little bit of exaggeration when you're at a party and you're telling an antidote, I think that that's fine. Um, what are your feelings on that? <laughs> telling like a like an antidote or a story that's yeah. a bit wacky. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my perspective on Bill, you, you might think that, oh, Brennan's going to give you like the ultimate three-part framework on how to make every story, every conversation perfect. But but to your point, let's get straight to the truth, which I believe to be, not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. And that's okay. That's a part of life. Even for me, you know, after the people, like yesterday I was at a conference, I really loved talking to maybe three or four people at the conference. Mm -hmm. And the other 20, I was kind of like, yeah, they're okay people, but Mm -hmm. hey, that's life. I probably won't be best friends with them for life. Mm -hmm. But I think the key that I really want people to understand is how much are you pouring into the three to four people you really enjoy spending time with? Mm -hmm. That's what most people miss in conversation. It's not about getting everyone to like you because you can't meet everyone in the world. There's like billions of people, but rather saying... Are we pouring into the 100, 150 people that really bring us joy, that really bring us love and laughter and all the great emotions and have those people introduce you to other great people? Because guess what? Great people, surprisingly, know other great people. (laughs) So pour yourself into the people that you love the most and they'll pour back into you. I really love that. I think that's fantastic. Oh, thank you. 
and in terms of a party too, you know, we never know when the last party is going to be. So take the time to talk to the people that you enjoy. It's not about being, it's not speed dating where you have to say hi to everybody at the party. If you were in the <laughs> conversation, just stop and chat for a bit. I love that. Absolutely. You know, I would say the context is more of a lighthearted podcast. Look, let's say if you're, if you're looking for a husband, a wife, you're going on a date. Well, look what, look, guess what? You're only marrying one of them. So you mm-hmm. might as well meet a bunch of them, see who you like, go through that filtration process in the same way in the context of friendships and conversations and relationships. Meet 100 people, meet everyone at the party, and I guarantee you there's one person out of those 100 that you're like, wow, where have you been my whole life? Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and so you have the awesome YouTubes. There is such a cornucopia of information on there and so many videos. What would you say is like the first watch for people that are just starting to dive in and realize that they need to work on their public speaking or their speaking in general? First of all, that was such a cool analogy to my YouTube channel, a cornucopia <laughs> of, of public speaking resources. I never thought anyone would describe that. That's really getting me thinking. <laughs> well, there's such a wide breadth of information on there. And I, I saw there's even a video on how to help kids become better public speakers. And I love that. Oh, thank you, Billy. It's very kind of you. It's very interesting. I never, I never thought of myself as a... I, I don't think I've heard that word in like seven years. I was like, huh. <laughs> it's and a I favorite just, word of mine, I have to say. I think I say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, what is that again? I haven't, But I'll, I'll assume it's... Oh, yeah, I remember it's like that cone with all the fruits. And, yeah, like a Thanksgiving harvest, presenting the harvest. And there's uh, lots to choose from. That's called cool. use that in my marketing. Here we have Brendan Kumarasamy. He's the cornucopia of YouTubers on public speaking. But yes, to directly answer your question, uh, people can look up three daily public speaking exercises. That's probably the best video to start with. Awesome. And then people can also get at you through LinkedIn. Yeah, of course. And if people want free coaching, you can go to rockstarcommunicator.com backslash workshop. I host a bunch of free trainings as well for the community. How do you feel about speeches at like regular dinners? I have, um, there's one family member. Whenever we gather, there's seems to always be a speech. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think necessary, not necessary? Yeah, this is an intense, intense uh, dinners. You know, I was talking to a bunch of my Jewish friends yesterday and they have Shabbat on Fridays where like they all get up and and just present stuff. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is very interesting family dynamic. Yeah, I think for me, what I would say is, is make, you know, not to, of course, offend, I think of anyone who's doing those speeches, as long as you guys are happy, I think that's the key. But Mm -hmm. what I would add is more in terms of how do you make communication fun in the household? So there's a couple of things I can share on that, that I teach uh, my executives to do with their kids. And one of them, I I can spitball a couple. One is if somebody is asking you for something like a PlayStation or a game or a chocolate bar, have them defend why they want it. So if they say, mom, dad, I want to pursue a career in this, have them make literally a PowerPoint slides on that. And then we can really assess if they really want that thing or they're just saying it for the moment. That's a fun one. Mm -hmm. Another one is the random word exercise where you pick a random word out of thin air, like cornucopia. That'd be be a challenge. And you have to make a presentation out of it. So I would do that with your kids or the people around you. You could say, hey, here's a word. Then you give me a word. Then I'll do that exercise too. 
That's awesome. I kind of already do that with my four-year-old. I'll say a word or he'll hear a word in conversation between my husband and I or on in a movie or something, and he'll be so fascinated with it for the next couple days that he'll ask and ask how to use it. And I know that he's mastered a word because he'll, after a few days or a week or something, he'll try and say a little joke or a little pun using that word. Um, and I think it's just so fun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And negotiation, teaching kids negotiation early on. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> definitely a skill people need to – and it's fun, right? I think that's the uh, that's probably the cornerstone of, of what I do is why does communication have to be so boring? It really doesn't. We can talk about cornucopias, make it exciting, make it interesting, and, and just have a good time because – communication is the most important thing we'll ever learn in our lives besides probably walking on our two feet. Mm-hmm, for sure. Was there an emphasis on words and communication growing up in your house? You know, it's interesting. Not, I mean, yes and no. So no in the sense that nobody said, okay, Brenda, you need to be in debate class, but also yes in the sense that there was a lot of languages in the house a lot of different words, lots of cultural context. Like my dad would always say, like, let's say there was a movie playing. They, he, they would, we would always try and guess like a weird uh, thing that we did as a film. We'd always try and guess where the movie was filmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, was it filmed here in this country? So we learned different cultures. And I definitely think that played into it. another thing my, my parents still do today is they watch these debates in Tamil where people debate each other. And it's only after a few years I started master that I realized my parents were even doing that. So that probably subconsciously conditioned me into doing this as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, speaking so many different languages, I'm sure there was always words and phrases floating through your mind a little bit when you were a kid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I want to um, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. And I think there's some awesome tips here for people that want to improve their public speaking or um, improve their party banter. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, such a pleasure to be on. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions if you, um, if you're game for that. Let's do it. Okay. Apple or pineapple? Who would pick apple? Come on, pineapple. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Do you prefer to dine in or dine indoors or al fresco? What's al fresco? Can I get a definition, okay. please? <laughs> <laughs> al fresco, dining outdoors or on patio. Oh. Wow, I feel dumb now. I hope I, I'm not the only guest who asked for a definition. <laughs> no, no, no. I guess the best. <laughs> definitely outdoors. <laughs> well, in Montreal, I love dining al fresco, oh, especially yeah. in old Montreal and the cobblestone, <laughs> a little bistro table. <laughs> well, you're so fancy, Billy. I gotta oh, take yeah. these. I gotta take lessons from you. <laughs> um, do you prefer to be a host or be a guest? Guest. I'm lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, being guest is fun for sure. More fun. Uh, fast food question: Do you eat in your car or wait till you get home? Mm, okay, so there's a nuance there because I take a fry in the car. Mm-hmm. But do I eat the whole thing in the car? No. So I guess I would guess uh, indoors. So snack and then wait till you get home. Yeah, that's that. I'm like, the, you have to add like an option three there for people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, delivery question. Do you eat out of the containers or do you plate it? Mm, man, these are, this is the hardest insured in my life. <laughs> Boy, I guess I would say I, we do plate it actually. Now that I think about it. That's nice. It makes more of a little bit of an event. Yeah. Okay. And then I mean we still we still pick out, so I guess it's not really an event. 
<laughs> I mean, I love to eat takeout by myself because I like to just gorge myself to the point where I have to like roll myself to bed after. <laughs> oh, you're, you're too funny, Billy. <laughs> Um, unless I'm eating, you know, with my family, then you know, if we're having sushi, I'll put it on a nice plate. So it feels like a little bit of a, feels like a little bit of event, but we definitely still gorge ourselves. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> favorite food moment from a movie or TV show. Hmm. Let me think about the only thing that comes to mind right now is that movie in Dalmatians. I think it's called Dalmatians 101 where the two dogs were eating like spaghetti and then oh, they, so that's Lady and the Tramp. Lady in the Tramp saving got that wrong. That's the only thing that came to mind right now. So I'll say that. I mean, I think those movies are probably before your time. I think they're like late 80s, early 90s. So that's really there. Huh. <laughs> I may have seen 101 Dalmatians in theater. So that's <laughs> I am. <laughs> and uh, last questions. Actually, not 101, but I think I maybe have saw Lady in the Tramp in theaters. Um, if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? Hmm. I have to think on that one in like a hardcore meditation the next few days. If I had to say one right now, so I'm a pretty crazy, insane, eccentric character. So I'm going to go with pineapple for some reason. Mm, okay. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Brendan, for joining me. I had so much fun. I had some good laughs. Some good belly <laughs>, laughs. laughs. You and me both, Billy. You and me both. Okay, so I'm going to pres- make a PowerPoint presentation on cornucopia and give it to my children, present it to my children <laughs> to practice my public speaking. I, and I'll, I'll need to do the same thing with al fresco. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure it's Italian, al fresco. Yeah, it's probably. Oh, al fresco. See, I didn't get that right, so there you go. I'm pre- yeah, al fresco. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about today? No, that's it. Thanks for having me. That was so much fun. Okay, well, thank you for joining me. Have a great day. You too.